We'll uh, open in a word of prayer and get started with our lesson today. Father, thanks for this day you've granted to us and for a beautiful Sunday morning. I pray that uh, you would teach us now in this hour together, open our minds, help us understand your word. In Christ's name, amen. Um, before I get started, I was going to give a plug for a book, um, How to Meet the Enemy, which is a good book. It's a good balanced approach to the whole topic of spiritual warfare. Um, a lot of it is, is a real good uh, discussion of our believer's armor in Ephesians chapter 6. But it's a good balanced approach. It doesn't go too far to the one side, too far to the other. So, pardon? John MacArthur. John MacArthur. Junior. How to Meet the Enemy. All right. And uh, you can pick it up at gty.org or you can go to the bookstore and order it or something like that. gty.org is the website. You can order it off the website. Grace to you. Or Uncle Don can order it for you probably. Okay. Yeah. Uncle Don Denovic can order it for you. But it's, it's, a, good, it's a good balanced approach um, to the whole topic. And uh, I think you'll find it helpful um, as we go through it. Um, one of the things that you'll notice we, that's happening is we're, we're sort of circling over the same kinds of material a little bit here because everything's so interconnected. Um, don't worry about that because uh, that's just the way this topic is. Um, today we're going to be talking about demons and probably it'll leak into next week as well. Talking about the whole topic of demons and we'll do Satan. And then we're going to wrap it all together with this whole topic of spiritual warfare. So we're going to hit some of this stuff again when we look at that. Like what, how demons operate. And when, when we talk about spiritual warfare, for example, we're going to talk about what Satan does and what, you know, how he operates and the things that he is up to. So we're going to hit a lot of some of that stuff when we get to that topic. But for now, let's talk about demons. Um, we talk about angels. Let's talk about demons. What are the names and titles of the demons, the fallen angels? Um, let's look up some of these passages, okay? Um, let's have somebody look up Matthew 25:41. All right. Who would like Revelation 12:9? Don't everybody want, Andy has that one. How about 2 Peter 2.4 and Jude 6? Um, those two go together, so you can do both of those. And then how about Deuteronomy 18.11 and Isaiah 19.3? Somebody do those when we get to there. So if you have Matthew 25.41. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you who are cursed into eternal fire, prepare for the devil and his angels. Okay. So here we've seen that the devil and his angels, demons being his angels. All right. Now, just as an aside, one of the things that will happen if you pick up certain literature and uh, somebody's been threatening me and here bringing in a Clarence Larkin book, which is uh, heretical. I'm giving you a hard time here. He brought it in. He brought it in. You know, if it's cold in here, we could burn that and get some heat. Yeah. Um, <laughs> One of the things, one of the things that Clarence Larkin has proposed is that uh, demons are actually disembodied souls of pre-Adamite beings. There's nothing in the Bible to say that, folks. I mean, that is just pure fiction. Um, it's, Larkin. Well, he there there he, he proposed it a little bit there, and there's nothing there's nothing of that. What are demons? Demons are angels. They are fallen angels. There's no indication in the Bible at all that there was a pre-Adamite race of beings that were destroyed in the recreation, so to speak, of Genesis 2.1 or 1.2. There's nothing of that. Um, they're not uh, disembodied spirits of bad people like ghosts and things like that, like it's popularized in Hollywood and stuff like that. There's, there's none of that. Demons are fallen angels. They are devil's angels. They're called... Why do you think they're called the devil's angels? Why do you think they're called that? They followed him, right? They followed him as their leader. It's not that he owns them or that they belong to him, but in the rebellion of the Satan, as seen in um, Revelation chapter 12, when he fell, he dragged a third of the stars with him. Those become the demons, the fallen angels that we deal with today. All right, So that's why they're his angels. And what is this passage telling you about the lake of fire? What's Matthew 25, 41 tell you about that place? Prepared for the devil and his angels. All right, why did God create eternal hell? 
for Satan and his angels. Yeah. It wasn't for us. It was for Satan and his angels. When we followed Satan's rebellion by eating of the fruit in the garden, then we became, or human humanity became um, recipients of that same curse. But that curse was not... God did not create eternal hell for human beings. He created it for the devil and his angels. All right? How about Revelation 12.9? Satan was cast on. Now, we're going to look at Revelation 12.9 a, a little bit, you know, a little bit more clearly um, when we get into the Satan. All right? So don't worry. We'll come back and actually go through that passage there. But what uh, Revelation 12.9 is saying is that Satan, when, not only when he fell did he bring a third of the stars, but when he's cast out of heaven, who's cast out with him? The demons. All right? Do demons have access to heaven right now? Yeah, they do. How do you know that? Satan presented himself for God. And it's interesting, in Second Kings, there's a discussion. Remember, well, I don't know if you remember, but remember the story about Jehoshaphat and Ahab? Where uh, Jehoshaphat was the king of Judah. Ahab, of course, was the bad king of Israel. And Ahab wanted to go against Ramoth Gilead to take it back. And uh, they called in the prophets and asked, uh, should I go up to Ramoth Gilead? And 400 prophets said, go on up. And Jehoshaphat there, and he said, well, isn't there any other prophet that we can talk about here? Is there another prophet we can um, ask? And he said, yeah, there's another guy. His name's Micaiah, but I don't like him because he never says what I want him to say. That's the Schaefer translation of that passage. So Micaiah shows up, all right? And uh, Ahab asks him, well, shall I go up to Ramoth Gilead? And Micaiah says, yeah, go up. God's going to deliver it in your hands. And immediately Ahab knew there was an issue because Micaiah never agrees with the other 400 guys ever. So he says, all right, now come on, tell me the truth. He says, I'll tell you what I saw. I saw Israel scattered as without a shepherd. He's actually predicting the death of Ahab. And uh, not only that, he says uh, he has a vision of heaven. And God is saying, who, is going, who can uh, convince Jehoshaphat and Ahab to go up to Ramoth Gilead? And all the angels come before God. And one of them says this and one says that. Then it says an evil spirit comes and says, I will be a lying, prof- I will be a lying spirit in the mouth of the prophets. And God said, you'll, you'll succeed. That's a picture that there are demons in heaven. They have access to heaven. And here's the point before you get all worked up. God uses the demons to affect His eternal will. Alright? Now, does God cause them to do what they do? Absolutely not. God is not the cause. Remember, we've got, you've got to go back to the theology Proper. God does not cause evil. God does not force a single person to do an evil deed. But God uses the evil deeds and the evil um, uh, wills of fallen human beings to affect His eternal purpose, right? Did God make the, the um, Jewish leaders crucify Jesus? No, He did not. He just allowed their own natural inclinations of rebellion and hatred towards Christ to play out. He allowed that. Okay? And in the same sense, God allows the demons that same kind of freedom. Demons are evil. They hate God. They oppose God. And God uses that hatred to affect His eternal purposes. That's part of His sovereignty. Part of His providence. Yeah. When I was reading the Romans not too long ago, it was talking about, you know, how I interpreted this, that God made certain people the way they are and who are we to question it. You know, I hate to keep saying this, but we are going to talk about that in soteriology. I mean, one of the frustrations here is we hit a lot of these topics we're going to get to. I'm not trying to gloss over them. We are going to get to that. All right? But the way to understand Revelation 9, which is what you're talking about there, is that God has vessels of wrath and vessels of, um, you know, good vessels and evil vessels. The point is, if God does not do anything, what's going to happen to all of humanity? What are all of us going to do? Yeah, we're all going to be destructive. If God does not intervene in our lives, we're all going to be heading to hell. All right? Because that's a natural inclination of our hearts. Okay? God intervenes in those vessels of mercy. The vessels of wrath, He leaves alone. They go their own way. They do what they are naturally going to do. We're going to sort that all out. So don't, don't get too you know, bothered. But we are going to, that is a good point. 
it's, it's really tough when you talk about this concept of evil and, and good and evil and God's sovereignty. You, you need to keep going back to the, to the understanding of the basic, um, I guess, axiomatic truth that God cannot do evil, He cannot sin, He cannot cause sin, but He allows it. And that's the framework you have to put all of this in. Yeah. Two things. Uh, the whole evil, uh, the whole uh, God allowing it for His ultimate purposes all goes back to choice where the choice that was made was the wrong choice. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, not to eat of the tree and it got eaten of and thereafter through history to this minute is why evil exists yeah. because of the choice. But that's one thing. The other thing is I might have missed something because I had to be late getting here but Revelation twelve nine, a third of the stars I always thought that was a, a, a metaphor for a third of the angels. It is. And, yeah, okay, because I it is. They became the demons. They became the fallen angels. Because I misunderstood what yeah. I heard earlier. No, they became the fallen angels. They are what we call demons. That's one of the most common names in the Bible is a demon. Um, but they are fallen angels, evil spirits, wicked spirits, devil's angels. There's different names used to describe them. All right. But but that's one of the that's one of the things that that well, you know when we talk about good and evil. You just got to keep going back to this concept. God does not cause evil. He does not force any being in the universe to do an evil act. Rather, He allows beings in the universe to do evil acts. And He even overrides their evil acts for His own eternal plans and His own eternal purposes. That's part of God's sovereignty. It's part of His providence. Alright? So God allows these things, but God does not cause these things. He allows them to exercise their will, not free will. Because what kind of will do they have? A fallen one. Yes. We're going to sort all that out, soteriology. You don't have a free will. You have a will. You can make choices. All of us in here have a will to make choices, but it's not a perfectly free will because what kind of choices left to ourselves will we make? All the bad ones. All right. That's a really a bad term. I mean, the only beings that had really free will were Adam and Eve because they did not have the curse of sin, right? They were not under the curse. You were under the curse. Now, you might make sort of the right decision, but this is always for the, always the right motives. That's the thing to sort out. Now, we're going to get to that. Don't worry. We'll get to that. So, because of our fallen nature, which controls us truly, That's right. Apart from Christ, apart from the Holy Spirit, you cannot do the right thing for the right reason. You can do the right thing for the wrong reason. And you might think it's the right reason. No. No. Right. And that's why the Holy Spirit, that's the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives because when we are believers, now for the first time we can do the right thing for the right reason. You know, that, that we can do that. But apart from the Holy Spirit, you can't do that. Alright, you can't. Um, you know, and Romans 3 tells us that. You know, uh, there, you know, there's none righteous, no, not one. All have gone astray. All have turned aside. All are evil. And we're not, we not, might, may not be as evil as we could be, but we're all radically depraved and we have a will that is fallen and we're going to make fallen choices. And unless God does a work in our heart and brings salvation and we have the Holy Spirit, now all of a sudden we can do the right thing. Now all of a sudden we will or we should be doing the right thing because of the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, I didn't hear the full context of what you guys are talking about, but I heard some, something that I wanted to comment on such a uh, distraction from saying that we have to understand this. Uh, people, you know, I'm dealing with this with myself, so it's personal. Um, people, well, I'm just that way. I, I was just made that way. I was just, you know, uh, I've, I've dealt with the distraction of ADD. I've, I've grown so accustomed to telling people, hey, I can talk them out of me. I, 
you know, have patience with God is a, our God is our creator. Mm-hmm. We should limit him. Mm-hmm. We should limit him. I'm, 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 no more will I speak out of my mouth. I have ADD. You have to understand, I have ADD. God is a big God. Mm-hmm. He created us. So he wants us he wants us to have peace and knowing that. Mm-hmm. And he wants you to know that you are beyond what you have as, as, uh, what you view yourself as. What if your character defects are. He, he wants you to, to move beyond that and grow in him. Yeah. Well, that's the same one to that's yeah. Right. And that's, and that's part of spiritual. That's one of his ways. Yeah. You know, I'm all focused on the things that are distractions for people when waking people up and challenging people to see these things through my music. And that's one of the issues. People are distracted in so many ways, situations, chaotic stuff. Nobody knows how to handle silence because silence is the place where God talks to you. I don't care if you're retarded, you're autism, God, you're blind, you're deaf. God talks to people. Mm-hmm. And he reveals himself to people. To people. I don't care who you are, but if there's always things going on, I, I, I got to deal with this and this is going on, he keeps you stirred up so you can't hear his voice. Yeah. That's part of spiritual warfare where we get distracted. And we're going to talk about, about that. I keep saying that we're going to talk about that, but we are. We really are going to get there, all right? And you can keep track of this. You know, if, if I say we're going to get there and I don't, you can remind me and we'll talk about it, all right? But you got the devil and his angels. You got the devil's angels, and that's because, because they are identified with Satan in his rebellion. And in essence, they become his uh, lieutenants in his war against God. They hate God. The, the demons hate God and want to do anything they can to ruin God's plans. And the best way they can do that is ruin us. Because when they ruin humanity, they strike at the heart of God. Alright? How about the Second Peter 2.4? For if God did not spare the angels to sin, but cast them down to hell, and delivered them into chains of darkness, and he reserved the judgment, and did not spare the angels How about Jude 6? Jude verse 6. Now, this is an enigmatic passage, and we're going to talk about it a few slides from now. So, we're going to talk about it today if we get there. Um, But this is the angels who kept not their first estate, or angels who did not stay in their own habitation. Um, We're going to be talking about what this means. These are the permanently bound demons. There is a class of demons that are permanently bound in the abyss, into the bottomless pit. They are not going to get out. Um, the only time they're going to get out is to face God as judge and then be thrown into eternal hell. And their sin was in the days of Noah. And we're going to talk about what that is, um, what that means. Um, there's some slides coming up here fairly soon. But these are angels which rebelled. They did not... Where, where were angels created? Where were angels created to live and to work and to operate? Heaven. And what did these angels not do? They didn't stay there. All right, they left their first estate. They left their realm of habitation. And we're going to talk in detail about what that means. But at this point, there are those angels who kept not their first estate. They kept not their created place of operation. How about the Deuteronomy 18.11? Isaiah 19.3. The spirit of Egypt will fail on the 
All right. These are familiar spirits. We've talked about, you know, sometimes we talk about familiar spirits. What is a familiar spirit? A familiar spirit is a demon that is in communication with someone, a medium, a sorcerer, something. All right. Can demons do that? Yeah, they can. How do you know they can? Well, we see a lot of examples of them in the Bible. One prime example is the uh, gal in Philippi. Remember when Paul went to Philippi and there was a girl that had a spirit of divination? All right. And she would foretell people's futures and make a lot of money for her masters. Um, there are people that are in contact with demons. How, how does that happen? How do people become, in, you know, become that way? And the best way to probably explain it is they open themselves up to that. They open themselves up to demonic influences. All right? um, there are people today that have this. You know, whenever you see somebody trying to do a seance or run a Ouija board or something like that, you've got someone who is treading on very dangerous ground. As a Christian, you should run as fast as you can away from that stuff. All right? Because Satan can latch on. When I say Satan, I'm talking about Satan and his demons, the demonic forces, can latch on to believers and can, can gain influence in your life. And you need to run from this stuff. And, and why do you need to run from this stuff? Well, is Satan going to give you the real deal? Is he going to tell you the truth? No, he never does. He never does. Somebody, you know, one people have asked me, as I've taught through the book of Acts on multiple occasions, we get to Acts 16 with the account of the familiar spirit in that, or the spirit of divination. They say, well, you know, why did Paul turn around and cast the demon out of that gal? I mean, that's free press, right? I mean, she's going around saying, you've got to listen to these guys because they're servants of the Most High God. All right? And people say, well, you know, that's good press. I mean, you know, people who believe in this gal and believe in her spirit of divination, they had their fortunes told, and she's telling them to listen to these guys. That should be something that Paul would welcome. Well, why do you think he didn't welcome it? Because that would encourage people to listen to her. Right. And what happened when Paul left town? Who, who are they going to go to? They're going to go to her. Acts 16. Yeah. Where are they going to go? They're going to go to her. They're going to go to this demonic spirit. All right? And after Paul leaves town, what kind of information is the demonic spirit going to disseminate to people? The wrong stuff. You, you bet. And see, that's the way Satan operates. You've got to understand, you don't want to, you don't want, Satan is a, is a slick guy. He will deceive you and you won't even know it. You won't even know it. Nay, I don't. I, we'll, we'll talk about that, but I don't think you need to go that far. Um, what you do need is you need to seek the Lord in prayer. I mean, greater is He that is in you than He that is in the world. All right, by far, um, Satan cannot attack as a believer. He cannot um, gain a foothold if you do not allow him to gain a foothold. We're going to talk about some of that. God does. We pray and ask God to keep us. And by the way, this is interesting. In the in the disciples' prayer. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and deliver us from the evil one. That's what it really means. It's not evil, but it's the evil one. Hope and error in the evil one. Pray that God would deliver you from Satan. And God will. Um, you know, I don't think we need to go so far as to exercise our house and things like that. And, um, but we do need to ask God to give us protection and He will. Yeah. Familiar spirits comes from the same root word, family. They are really demons assigned to families. Thus, the familiar spirit sounds like dear departed so-and-so when I go to the sales. Well, you got to understand, demons have been... How long have demons been around? 
a long time. Well, since their creation, right? So they've been around. So somewhere there's a demon that knew your great-great-grandfather. And they can pass information around. Don't go near that stuff. Because, see, they're going to give you enough truth to reel you in. And make you think that you're really talking to great-great-grandpa. When you're not talking to great-great-grandpa, you're talking to a demon. There's absolutely nothing anywhere in the Scripture, anywhere, other than the one, one exception. What was exception was that? Where it really happened? No? The one exception. There was one exception where the person, the dearly departed really did show up. Saul and Samuel. That was it. That was an exception. That was not a rule. Remember when Saul went to the witch of Endor and entreated the witch to call up the spirit of Samuel and Samuel really showed up. What did the woman do? She freaked out. She said, Whoa, this isn't supposed to happen. <laughs> oh, I, um, it, I don't know. It's in the book of Samuel somewhere. I don't know the exact chapter. But it really, they really, in that case, God allowed it. All right? But there's nothing in Scripture that says once a person dies that they're in contact with the living, that they're coming back as ghosts or haunting you. And, you know, I, I was surfing the surfing through the TV channels and you come on Ghost Hunters International. That is such a waste of celluloid and time and film. And, but, you know, people believe it. That's right. There's a lot of that stuff. Yeah. There's one particular Wizards of Waverly place where they do actual incantations on the show. Yeah. And see, it's yeah. The point as Christians, you need to stay as far away from that as you possibly can. All right, because Satan is so deceptive, and that's the problem. Satan is so deceptive that we in ourselves do not have the ability to know what he is and isn't up to, and whether he is or isn't there. We can't go there. We're not. We're not prepared for that. Yeah. Yes. I'm sorry, I saw your hand over there. She's a white witch or something like that, or was she like a white witch or something like that, or okay. you got to understand that, that Satan and his demons, they want to destroy, they want to ruin, they want to pillage, rape, kill, destroy. I mean, that, that is their character, all right? You have no business hobnobbing with those kind of characters as a believer. You need to stay away from that. You don't need to be afraid of them because God is much greater than they are, right? We don't need to live in fear, you know, of getting a spell cast on us and stuff like that. But we do need to pray and ask God to give us protection, and He will. That's what the disciples' prayer is about. Deliver us from the evil one. All right. And if you want another example of how Satan can attack and, and, and um, influence a believer, remember what Christ told Peter. Satan wants to have you to sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you. All right. The point, and here's the point, folks. When you live in sin, when you live in rebellion against God, you live in sin, what do you open yourself up to? Everything. That's part of what it says in 1 Timothy chapter 1, 18-20, where Paul says, I've delivered them over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh. What does he mean he delivered them to Satan? Well, you've got a couple of guys that are given over to evil. And what, is, what does Paul do? Paul says, give them over to their evil and what's going to happen to them? They'll destroy themselves. 
If you're, and the point is about sin. Sin is so, we're going to talk about this when we talk about sin, the doctrine of sin. Sin is so destructive, it destroys itself. Alright? How do you destroy a drug addict? Give him all the drugs he wants and he will kill himself. That's, that's how it operates. It implodes on itself. It's destructive. And, and when you start going down the path of opening yourselves up to demons or opening yourself up to demonic spiritual influences or supposedly talking to demons or departed spirits, you are treading on ground that is leading you to destruction. And God put in the Scripture, the Old Testament Scripture, the death penalty for anybody who messed around with that stuff. Why did He do that? It's serious because it destroys. It is destructive. Look at Paul when he ran into Elimus in, in Acts. Or what about Simon Magus? That's the guy in Acts 8. Remember when they had the, the great uh, revival up in Samaria and Simon Magus comes to know the Lord, supposedly, and he gets baptized and he's part of the church and then Peter shows up and you see the, he lays hands and they get the gift of the Holy Spirit. And what did Simon want? I want to buy the trick. I mean, that's a great trick. I can make some good dough with that. And how did Peter respond? Oh, fall of subtly and mischief, thou child of the devil. Was Simon Magnus a believer, a true believer? Absolutely not. In fact, church history bears that out. Uh, We read in church history where he became a great persecutor and opponent of Christianity. He was never a believer. He was never one. You can't open yourself up to that. You need to run away from that. We're going to talk about that in spiritual warfare more. But understand, when you have familiar spirits, these are spirit, there are spirits that know about your family history. They know about great-grandma and great-grandpa because somewhere there's a demon that's been around them and can know them. Now, we're not given all the ins and outs of how that all operates, but demons are very smart. In fact, the root word for demon means knowledge. Smart. They're smart. They're a lot smarter than we are. Um, you know, we we got to... And see, that's the thing. As, as believers, yes, greater is He that is in us than he that is in the world. God is much more powerful than Satan. The Holy Spirit is much more powerful than any demonic forces. But in and of myself, I'm not. Alright? And I cannot... I cannot fight Satan on a battle of wits. I will lose every single time. I cannot win. He is much smarter than me. And I will be deceived. I'll even be deceived in doing what I think is the right thing only to find out it's the wrong thing all along. Because he is just too smart for us. Yeah? Uh, I've been trying to get instilled in my kids that you really have to understand people... Man, people don't understand. They try to fight God in their physical being, in their mind, in their authority. And you can't reach... He's so intelligent. He, we can't fight him. Our, and the battle is not ours to fight anyway. Right. You know, and people have to learn that. It's, we have to get out of the physical thing when it comes to all of our situations with God because... He can't hear us. We can't hear from him in the physical. And so people, just by nature, because we are physical, mm-hmm. things we see, touch, hear, taste, you know, sense. People, we're so stuck there that that's why we can't really get in tune with what God has to say. Yeah, we don't know what we don't understand what's happening on the spiritual realm and playing around and us. If we knew, you know, we, we don't. Yeah, we couldn't handle it. And that's why we've got to let God work that out. Sammy, you were going to say something? Yeah, Simon Baggett, I find it interesting. His, I guess, I don't know whether it's his last name or what, but the Magus mm-hmm. is yeah. the singular of Magi. Mm-hmm which is magic, which yeah. is sorcerer, evil, mm-hmm. uh, uh, demonic. So I'm just wondering, is it really Simon the 
Magus, the Magus, the, you know, it's Magus. Um, I'm not sure. I, I know his name is, is Simon Magus, and yeah. it will probably be along that line. Yeah. He, was, he was a sorcerer. There's no doubt about it. He was able to do tricks and do some something. Janus and Jambres, what were they able to do? Turn their rods into snakes. Yeah. Now that's a big. Now pull that one off with David Copperfield. That would be a big one, you know. Uh, you got to understand the, the demonic forces are strong. They're yeah. there, and as believers, God has given us His word. God, if you want to know the truth, God's given you a book with it in it. You don't need to go to a demon to find out what's going on, because when you do, you're going to be given the wrong answer a hundred percent of the time. See, the thing that people forget, I think, a lot of times is that Satan can copy. That's he does. That's sorcerers copy changing their rods into snakes. Satan is not original. He's a copycat. He's a copycat. that's what fools people. Mm-hmm. How can he do that? Well, he copies. Mm-hmm. Even down to his being 666 to God's 777. Yeah. He's, he's, he's a deceiver. So stay away from familiar spirits. I think we beat that horse to death, but we'll we'll come back and talk in line. Um, evil spirits. Let's look up some of these passages here. Um, somebody look up Luke seven twenty one. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. How about Acts 19? You also can look these up ahead of time, so when it comes, you can just read them. Yeah, I did. Alright. Acts nineteen, I think it's that's the little story of the sons of Sceva. That would be a that's one of those little video clips I want to see. There's a heavenly YouTube. I'd like to see that one. You know, where they go in to try and cast the demons out because they that's what they did as a, for a living. And they said, I adjure you in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches and the demon said, Well, we know Paul, we know Jesus, we don't know who you guys are. And the guy beat him up and they ran out of the house naked. Um, that's one of those YouTube videos I want to see. Um, here's the whole point. What are, what are these spirits? They're evil spirits. So what is their characterization? Evil. Evil. They're bad. They're evil. And evidently, and this is hinted at here, evidently, what can evil spirits do? They can, they can have, they can possess. They can also cause what? Pain. They can cause diseases. Remember the lady, um, Christ said, um, this woman who has bent double whom Satan has bound. Can Satan cause disease? We're going to talk about that. Yeah, he can. And by the way, here's, a, here's something to think about. If he causes it, can he cure it? Sure he can. Sure he can. Sure he can. Satan, Satan will cure people to deceive them. Of course he will. He can cause, if he causes diseases, what can he do? Yeah. We'll talk about that. But Again, you understand what Satan is up to. Satan is up to deception. And one of the things, one of the problems we have, we have a lot of like faith healers and things going around. And the way to sort them out is, do they preach Christ? The answer is, no, they don't. They don't preach Christ. They preach healing. That's not of that's not of God. You need to run from that stuff. Um, to, so I want to go back to what I was saying, but to then branch off on the contradiction. Uh, you know, when people are out of tune and, and have so many distractions around them, which is what Satan is here to do. That's his job. That's his mission statement, so to speak. You know. Uh, he keeps you to the point where you're not able to be in tune to see. A person can't be in tune to see his craftiness. But when you get close to God and you 
you're, 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 you're allowing yourself to be in a passenger seat and let him drive, he'll open himself up to you and say, look, look at this. Were you aware? Look at his craftiness. Now, and I say that because I don't ask for insight. He gives it to me freely. Mm -hmm. And so I was watching these adult swim stuff because I like some of the stuff on there. But now it's changing my eyes. Desires yeah. are changing. And I'm seeing how he's putting, like, there was an incident on this little cartoon where they was playing a hymnal. And then uh, they curse at the same time that the hymnal He's trying to mix things up so you get confused about what's really, what, what the substance that you need to be focused on. Yeah. He uses comments, you know, people always talk about Christianity or making jokes of it. So they talk about stuff in that. So you won't take Christianity serious. So you won't take God serious. And, and he's so crafty. Satan. So he, he allows you to see it. Yeah. You get in a place where you allow yourself to open up to you. Yeah, one of the things that Satan Satan doesn't care what you believe. You know that. Just don't believe the truth. He doesn't care what you are, really. He doesn't care whether you're Mormon. He doesn't care whether you're Buddhist. He doesn't care whether you're Hindu. He doesn't care whether you're an atheist. He could care less. Just don't believe the truth. That's that's what he's up to. And he will bring anything and everything along to deceive you, to distract you, to take your eyes off of the Lord. As believers, we have the Holy Spirit. We have the insight. What gives us spiritual insight is the Holy Spirit within us that gives us this sight to see. All right? And even then, we don't see it all, do we? All right? But God is the one who gives us spiritual insight. And, and really, the upside of this, you can't fight Satan with your own strength, your own power, your own brain. You're, not gonna, you're no match. You're no match. You need the power of the Holy Spirit. Somebody else is going to say something. Okay. Um, but they are evil spirits. They want to destroy. They want to do evil things. Wicked things. And usually, this is just as an aside here in a second, when we talk about evil spirits, a lot of people think, well, they want me to do sin. We think of sin. You know, um, A demon's following me around trying to get me to lie. He's trying to get me to steal. He's trying to get me to lust. He's trying to get me to, to do all of this other kinds of stuff. That's not really where Satan is spending most of his time. In fact, he's probably not spending a lot of time there at all because he doesn't need to. And why doesn't he need to? You do very well on your own. All right. You realize you don't need Satan to sin. You do pretty good on your own. All right. Um, every once in a while, he might, or him or a demon, most likely, might you know try to get you to or try to bring a temptation. You can't tempt. But look, folks. 99% of the times you're tempted, Satan is nowhere to be seen. It's all you. Alright? It's all your flesh at work. Can Satan work through your flesh? Yes, he can. But one of the great, I think, um, things that people misunderstand when, when, as Christians, our battle, our real enemy, the, the, the number one public enemy of us is ourselves, our own flesh, our own fallenness. And Satan comes at us through that fallenness. How does he tempt you? Through the fallenness of the flesh. How does the world get at you? It gets at you through the fallenness of your flesh. That's, that's where the real battle, the real struggle lies. Is there demonic forces out there bent on our destruction? Yes, there are. But they get to us through our flesh. And so as believers, we need to work on that. And don't blame the devil every time you're tempted. You know, one of the things, I, I, what was it, uh, who's the one that, oh, one of the uh, televangelists that had fell into adultery, I guess, uh, was it Rex Humbard? Rex Humbard was talking to him on the phone and Rex said he saw demons in his flesh with their claws causing him to lust. And he cast out the demon over the telephone. Um, I'm, I'm pretty sure, it's, I know Humbard is in there, I don't know who the other guy is. It may have been um, Swigert. And uh, look, folks. That's silliness. Because what, what, what has Swaggart basically just done? The devil may... It's not me. It's the demon. You know, get them out of my flesh and I wouldn't be doing this stuff. No, folks. <laughs> uh, it doesn't work that way. All right? Oh, yeah, they do. And they can, they, that's why you've got to be careful. You don't want to say demons aren't active. 
You don't want to go down there and say, nah, it's not the demon. But you don't want to go the other way and say it's a demon every time. Sometimes it is. Most of the time it isn't. And they do know your weaknesses. You're right. They know exactly what buttons to push. Because they know you. And they've had 6,000 years of human history to practice. So they know how to, make, how, they know how to push the buttons. Okay? No. <laughs> your, husband, your husband knows nothing compared to the demon. Alright? Yeah. Yes. And we're going we're to actually, we have on our section on spiritual warfare, I'm going to go and give you quotes from these guys. They're supposedly spiritual warfare experts. And many of them say that when you commit a sin, it's really a demon or demonic influence that is in you. And uh, if you can just get rid of all the demons, you wouldn't sin. That's not biblical. That is not in the Bible. Throughout the scripture, and let me, let me just explain why that is. Whenever you see a person sitting in the scripture, who does God hold it responsible for that? The person. 100%. God does not say, well, you know, I, I understand that you're under the influence of a demon. We won't count that against you here, you know. No. It's always your fault. It's always you are responsible. Alright? The blame is us. Now, we may be influenced by a demon, but who made the decision to do it? Yeah, look at Eve, right? Was she under the influence of Satan? Sure she was. But she was responsible for the decision and the choice that she made. So, one of the things is we need to be very careful not to blame the devil for all of this stuff. Because it's not him. Because, see, we don't want to accept responsibility. And, and we need to accept responsibility for our own actions. And that's really the message of, of Paul. Where he says, the flesh is my battle. The things I want to do, I don't do. The things I don't want to do, I do. It's my flesh. Can Satan tempt me? Yeah. Can Satan influence some things? Yeah. How does Satan influence mainly? It's through the world, right? The fallen system that we have to live in. But, uh, folks, we need to... It's us. We are, we are responsible. You're going to say something, Ruth. Aren't you? Really what said, that, you know, Satan's going to bombard you with stuff constantly. And it's your choice you to it. And we are bombarded mainly by Satan through the world system, right? Exactly. Every time you turn on the television, what are you bombarded with? Yeah, I can't even listen to the I can't even listen to secular radio anymore without listening to two or three ads on some sexual stimulant that you need. You know, I can't even can't even do that. You know, it's it's nuts. And and that and you know what? Television isn't any better. Every other commercial, is Cialis or Viagra or some other stupid thing. You know, and it's like, I mean, it's getting to the point where you want to turn the thing off and get rid of it. You're gonna say something, Terry. No. Oh, boy. All that's yeah. Yep. But evil spirits want you. They, they are evil. They want to just. They want to ruin God's plan. Is what they want to do. They just want to mess it up. You know. And the, and by the way, they can't strike at God, right? So who do they strike at? Us. We're pawns. How about unclean spirits? Matthew ten one. All right, and these others are mainly the same thing. God gave the disciples, by the way, there, it's the twelve. He gave them authority over unclean spirits. He delegated authority to the twelve over unclean spirits. What were the unclean spirits up to? Deception, deceit. And one of the interesting things, uh, I, I think um, when you look at the ministry of Christ, that was a full court press by Satan when Christ was here on this earth. He... He was really active. All right. 
Is Satan active today? Yeah, he is, but probably not to the degree he was when Christ was here because there was a direct confrontation with the Son of God in that, in that context. But there are unclean spirits. And uncleanness refers not only to moral uncleanness, to spiritual, but really the spiritual uncleanness to, to just anything that's not good. All right. So as believers, do we want to hang around stuff that's not good, that's not clean, that's not wholesome? No, you don't want to do that. And it's interesting because some of the demon-possessed people, the man of Gadarenes, where did he live? Remember? In the tombs. He hung around the tombs. He hung around death. He hung around... I'll tell you what, there, the horror genre of film is something I've, I've just never gotten into. Horror. Horror films, horror flicks. Freddy Krueger, I've never watched that. Or what is it, Freddy Krueger or Nightmare on Elm Street or I don't know those things. Look, for, yeah, yeah, I don't even go there. I mean, what, what as a Christian, why are you filling your brain up with that stuff? But Yeah. Yep. It's a tool. I, I graduated with a gal who was a white witch. She said she was a white witch. Well, she she said she claimed herself to be a white witch. In other words, she's not in the spells for you know the cursing people, but in the spells to heal people and supposedly good. All right. Yeah, Wiccan. She was a Wiccan. Um, and. Uh, she uh, committed suicide very soon after graduation. Yeah. And that's what Satan wants to do. Satan wants... You understand, Satan wants to destroy you. He's, he, you know, he's not, Satan is not up there saying, okay, how can I get Schaefer to commit a sin? He, he wants to deceive me. He wants to ruin me. He wants me to make me... A, he wants to ruin my testimony. He wants to destroy me, to deceive me, to make me think I'm doing the right thing when I'm not. That's what he's up to. And that's what he's up to with humanity. Really, Satan does not need to send his demons out to get human beings to sin. They do well. He wants to deceive. Where do you think the cults come from? Where do you think Mormonism came from? You think Joseph Smith thought that up on his own? No way. That came from demons. That's doctrines of devils. And it has ensnared millions of people who are, who are convinced. I work with a lady. She is convinced she's going to heaven. She's convinced of it. She's going to go to heaven and... You know, be there and populate a planet with all of her kids. That's what Mormonism believes. And it's demonic. Um, I remember what I was. Devil's Advocate. Yeah, he and, and and you know the average person. It's interesting. You know, you you talk to most people. They don't believe that. They might believe maybe in a sort of a devil. They don't really believe in a personal devil, personal evil. You know, he's he's he snookered us, folks. He he snookered. And and as believers, you know, that's what I'm trying to do in this in this um in this course here. When we look at, examine the scriptures, and we're going to really be examining spiritual warfare. You don't want to go down the two opposite paths. You don't want to say he's not doing anything. But you don't want to say he's behind every bush and behind every sin and behind every disease because he's not. He's in the middle there. All right? He's in the middle. Okay? Right. And so we don't want to give him too much credit, but we don't want to not give him any credit. <laughs> All right? And that's, that's a balance that we have to, to draw there. Um, they're also called seducing spirits. First Timothy 4.1 talks about in the last days people will give heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of demons. That's what Paul talks about. What, is, what do you think a seducing spirit is up to? Spiritual seduction. That's a no-brainer, right? He's trying to seduce. What is seduction? Getting you to do something, deceiving you. All right. What do we have today? We have spiritual seduction all over the place. You know, 
You've got from the, from the Eastern mystical guys, the gurus out there. I just got, I, I do digital photography and I just got a, a um, advertisement from one of the websites I, I do. Or I, I look, I go to the, with on digital photography and it's Swami somebody who's their spiritual advisor and is offering me free spiritual advice through, the, through digital photography, you know. Um, he, he's, he's, a, he's an Indian mystic giving people spiritual advice and he rambled on for six pages of just mumbo jumbo and all that kind of stuff and it's like you know people buy into that people buy into that because it's, it's interesting it's neat it's cool what so, Sylvester Stallone's mom is a medium to the stars if you saw her on TV you know she, she's a medium and, and folks we got doctrines of demons from the right and the left all around us where do you think the ideas of this age come from? Demons. Yeah. I want you guys to be in prayer with me about this issue. I was at a church, I think it was House of Praise, uh, and the pastor there was talking about there is a website for people that are being deceived where this website challenges people to now to denounce God. Mm-hmm. To say it verbally. Because once you say it verbally, they don't know the damage that does. You know what I'm saying? What position that puts them in. So it's a it's a website where it, it says, I don't believe in that there is no truth in the Holy Spirit. There is only yeah. confessing things. So Satan is so crafty. He is. He, he, is, he is deceptive beyond our ability. To, and there's enough of them out there. See, how, many, how much truth is there? How many truths are there? One. One. But there's a whole lot of error, isn't there? Yes. And again, you understand, Satan doesn't care what you believe. He really doesn't care. Just don't hit the truth. He doesn't care what you are. He doesn't care what spin you have on things. All he cares about is that you don't believe the truth. All right? And he will deceive. And, and folks, he is a seducing spirit. And when you look at the look at evolution, where did that come from? You think Charles Darwin just figured that up on his own? You know, until Charles Darwin came along, everybody believed in God because they had to explain the origin somewhere. Darwin got rid of God, and now what does that become in our day and age? A religion. Now the scientists say, "No, we're being scientific." Don't let them tell you that. It's religion. They weren't around when this happened. They're, they believe it because they can get rid of God. See. Environmentalists the same way, Mother Earth. All right, now as a Christian, we should be concerned about the environment. God gave us here a beautiful planet where to be stewards, but I don't worship it. That's what Romans says. They worship and serve the creation rather than the creator. All right, don't go down that path. But we have seducing spirits, and the, and what Satan wants to do is he wants to deceive people. And he doesn't care what you believe. He doesn't care what religion you wind up. Just don't believe God. Believe anything else. Yes. You know, you could raise your cane and wave it around. I could see it. You know? <laughs> the, par- the unpardonable sin there is not that. The par- unpardonable sin in context in Matthew was telling Christ that the works he's doing are by Satan. The Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit's works that he done through Christ was actually done by demons and Christ said you can't be forgiven that particular sin. I don't think you can commit that today. All right, you could then, but not today. But again, understand, Satan is a seducing spirit. His number one operation is deception at all levels. All right? Yeah. Not concerned with what you believe as long as it's not the truth, then from his perspective, the worst case scenario is okay, if you believe in this Jesus and this gospel, then at least I'm going to cause you, going to try to cause you to not want to share the truth right. openly. Mm-hmm. I think that was his purpose yeah. when, um, with Peter denying Christ. Yeah. Satan, Satan, and, and you know, one of the, the sad things is that those who are believers who claim to know the Lord, when they commit sin, what does that tell the world? 
Yeah, you're just a bunch of hypocrites. You know, we know about that all along. You know, you need to be the real deal, folks. All right. Luke 11:26. Yes. Here's the point that, that is being made there in Luke 11. Let's say uh, someone who someone that that uh, is is under the influence of a wicked spirit or or a, or a false system of belief. If they get some kind of deliverance from that, some kind of temporary deliverance, and they don't they don't replace that with the truth, what happens to them? They're acceptable to more lies, and so the end of them is worse than the first. The whole point, I think, in Matthew, or yeah, in Matthew, in Luke 11, there is: look, when God brings the truth, you have one responsibility. You need to respond to the truth. I'm talking to an unbeliever. When an unbeliever is faced with the truth, they need to respond to the truth. Because if they don't, what's going to happen to them potentially later on? They're going to get worse, right? Because they're going to be inoculated against it. They're going to be inoculated against the truth. And, Paul, and Christ uses this, this example of an evil spirit who might be cast out and he wanders around and he goes and gets seven other ones that are worse than himself and come back and make the end state of the man worse than the beginning. And how did they get back in? Doors wide open and no one is there, right? Who, would, who should be there? The Holy Spirit. See, I believe in demon possession. I do believe that. I believe people can be demon-possessed who open themselves up to that. I believe that. I do not believe a Christian can be demon-possessed. You can be oppressed. You cannot be possessed. All right? I, don't, I do not believe that a demon can inhabit a believer. He can make you miserable. He can make you suicidal. He can destroy you physically, but he can't ruin you eternally. All right? I don't, I don't believe that. But I'll tell you what, I don't want to open myself up to demonic oppression. I don't want to open myself up to that. And how do you open yourself up to demonic oppression? You sin. You rebel. You live in sin. You ignore God. You ignore the truth. You quench the Holy Spirit. You can open yourself up to that. Alright? Yeah? I don't believe that a true Christian can be possessed, but you can certainly be oppressed. All right? A true Christian can't be possessed, 
Mm-hmm. But in this case, they're just as deceived thinking, do you think that they think they are right. saved? Yeah. Yeah. And again, you know, the the, the deception that Satan has is he wants you to believe you are something when you're not. You know, and that's why, folks, we need to be people of the word, people of prayer, people of the Holy Spirit, asking God to give us insight. I pray constantly for God's wisdom and insight because I don't have it on my own. I am too easily deceived and led astray. And every morning on the way to work, I just pray that God would give me insight and understanding and to see things as they are. And if I don't do that, I am done for because I I can't see it on my own. I I don't have that ability. God does. God can do that. Um, And then the last thing here, let's see, just the last one, demons. This is one of the most common names um, of them throughout Scripture. We don't, somebody read one of these. Somebody have one of these verses. Um, But demons is the most common name of these fallen angelic beings who are out to destroy Somebody read just one of those. Yeah. Many will say on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Yeah. That's to me, to me, Matthew 7 is the scariest passage in the Bible. By far. It's scarier than Revelation 20, Lake of Fire. The reason it's so scary is because Christ is saying in that day, in what day? The day of judgment. There are going to be people standing in front of him that are absolutely confused as to why they're there. Because they've cast out demons. They've done mighty works. They've done all kinds of things in Christ's name. But they were never Christ. They were never truly saved. They were never truly born again. Christ says, I don't know you. They cast out demons. Even They did works. They did supposed miracles. They did mighty things. They had great ministries. They didn't have God. And uh, folks, we need to be on our knees praying that God would give us insight, understanding His Spirit, so that we're not deceived. And by the way, I think in Matthew 7, these people are truly deceived because they are confused as to why am I there? What have I done? I've done all kinds of things for you, God. He says, I don't know who you are. We have to stop here. Uh, I'm finding that in ministry, if you take that responsibility, if God, God put that place out of you, you have to always make sure that you remain in the path of the seat so God can do what He has called Himself and He wants to do. Because when we try to orchestrate, I, need, I think I need to tell Him this, I, I need to tell Him that. If God's will is not going to be done, right. as good as it, He can do it, so we always have to be in a place where we we don't get in the way. And that's what I'm learning about ministry. You have to always be in the passenger seat. Yeah. And then you open yourself up for the anointing to work at full capacity. Yep. All right, well, we'll pick up here next week. We only got through three slides. We're doomed. I was told last week to slow down. Okay, I'm slowing down. All right, so we're, all right, that's all right. We, we'll get through it when we get through it. How's that? All right. So let's close in prayer. Father, thanks for this day and uh, for allowing us to be here. And I pray that you would grant us wisdom and insight through your Holy Spirit. Father, we are ill-equipped on our own to deal with deception, with spiritual wickedness. We we just cannot stand in and of ourselves. We can only stand in the power of the Holy Spirit and in your power. And I pray that you would grant us that power, that, that protection, Father, delivers from the evil one and grant us insight and understanding as we submit ourselves to you and to your Holy Spirit. In Christ's name, amen.